My name's Leanne Butterworth. This is the Empathy Podcast. And today we're talking to Megan Davis about empathy and storytelling. Now it's a little bit different to normal. Usually we look at empathy and mental health of a profession. Today we're looking at empathy within a profession, which is the profession and the art of storytelling. Now, there are a number of different stories that your business may have. And Megan Davis and I discuss how to use empathy to better engage your audience, to better communicate your message, and to ultimately have greater impact with what you're doing. So according to Luke Ficini, there are six different types of stories. So when you think about the content today, think about your founder story. Think about your purpose. Think about how to communicate the values that your company works by and lives by. Think about the value that you're adding to your audience. Think about the impact that you've achieved so far and how to communicate that as a story. And also think about the empathy side of things. So what is it that your customer has experienced and felt and how to communicate that as a story? So today we're speaking with Megan Davis about empathy and storytelling. Um, hopefully you get a lot out of it. I know I did because I, it's a skill that I really need to work on. Um, anyway, today's empathy podcast is empathy and storytelling with Megan Davis. Hello and welcome. Um, today I'm speaking to Megan Davis and we're going to explore empathy in storytelling. So it's a little bit different to what we normally do. We normally go for a specific profession, but Megan is a storyteller and we're going to explore empathy in storytelling. Let's see where we end up today. Hello, Megan, and thank you for joining me on this lovely day. Oh, well, thank you. It's an absolute pleasure to, uh, to have the opportunity to talk about my, my passion. <laughs> Which is what? What's your passion? I've always loved storytelling um, without knowing that that's what I loved. So if you'd asked me 10 years ago or 20 years ago what my passion is, I would have told you some sort of vocation or, or, um, you know, profession. So I would have said, I love, I want to be a writer or I'm a writer or I'm an actress or I'm a singer or I'm, you know. And I would have all these different things I would tell you that I was, but um, now I'm realizing that the passion really is around creating realities through your ability to imagine them. And the way that we do that is through telling stories. So if that reality is in the past, we create a story about the past and then we invite people into that reality. If that reality is about our future, we tell a story about that future and then we invite people into that reality. Um, and if we're just trying to explain something that's happening now, we use stories to build that reality that of what's happening now, how do we put this into context? And then we invite people into it to understand it. And we do that through building uh, up characters, through building up a scene, through creating a storyline that provides context as to why we're doing these things and where we're going together. And we deliver messages and meaning through that. Um, and it's also, you know, very much aligned to empathy, creating empathy, which is what we're going to talk about today. Absolutely. So what's, 
Wow, that that's big. And I'm I'm all in on this one because I am a rubbish storyteller in my mind. Um, but who knows? <laughs> so I'm all in on this one. I'm I'm really looking forward to today's chat. So storytelling is your passion, creating um, connection and creating visions and communicating in a different way. And I think at the moment, all of us are at home, businesses that were face-to-face have kind of vaporized for the minute. We're all learning um, a new way of communicating. So let's talk about that a bit today. So what what is it that you do and what's your background? And let's start there. I run a consultancy called Spend, Love and Lamb. And I essentially go and work with businesses or sometimes individuals to create um, strategic ways to talk about change, to talk about transformation, to build an ideal future that we're, we're creating for ourselves, our customers, our, the people that we serve. Like, where, what is this place that we want to reach together? Um, and why, how this is applied is in a couple of different ways. So sometimes it's for innovation. So companies are doing things that are really, really new. Um, but they need to contextualize it because your average person doesn't have enough knowledge about, let's say, for example, emerging technology to understand its immediate, um, you know, a value to their lives. They think of it as something that's science fiction and not something that's happening now. So how do you build relatable stories about that? Um, another way is in um, organizational communication. So building internal communications and culture frameworks. So stories create culture, they create meaning, they, they create um, ways for people to relate around a common message, um, which sounds really big, but I can go into more detail later. I won't spend huge time on that. Um, and then the other is in marketing. So taking that external view of how do we tell the story of what's happening in real life inside of our business. So a lot of marketing is you know, around, let's build this imaginary story about what we think people want and then, and then tell them and then be like, you want this, you like this, rather than telling the story of what's actually organically happening within a business and then presenting it to people and saying, hey, let's go on this journey together. We're in this together, which is much more interesting and, and much more compelling, I think. And so what's your background? Because this is a pretty, it's not... Is it niche what you do? Because, like, how did you come to be where you are? Yeah, it's it's um, it feels niche, but it's really I don't think it is. I mean, I know a lot of people who, so they have like, different names for this, right? So people call themselves future scenario planners. They call themselves communication experts. They call themselves marketers. Um, the things, the tools I use are tools that people use in different industries, but I, I focus on refining the experience of the story and using the story in new and inventive ways, as opposed to the, I guess, the, the framework of like what it means to be a communications consultant. So I can work with communications teams, or I can work with customer experience teams, or I can work with an innovation team, because all I'm actually doing is constantly refining and building my own frameworks about storytelling that can 
that assist these different teams strategically by building a, a unique tool set. Um, so a lot of the tools that I use, I've created myself through years of, of refinement, as opposed to saying, here's a communications framework that, that, that's commonly in use. I just refine that really core component, which is that storytelling uh, tool asset. Um, and a lot of people who work in, let's say, for example, communications or marketing know a lot about, you know, like digital outputs and they know a lot about, you know, like framing great copy to get people to click buy now and other, you know, there's lots of different components of it, but the, the story itself is a, a, a separate tool. It's a separate skill set. It's a skill set that can be injected into making great copy. It can be injected into making great film and video. It can be injected into writing a fantastic novel. It can be injected into writing a fantastic future scenario that feels plausible and believable. Um, it's, it's a, it, it is literally in every aspect of our, of our being, of our lives. Like every object we have tells a story about something, the way it's designed, the clothes that we wear, the way that we communicate is fundamentally story-based. It's all we're doing all the time, every day. The cars that we drive, the houses we live in, the, the pens that we use are all something, it all started as an idea that someone communicated to someone else as a story usually. Hey, do you think it'd be cool if instead of inkwell, we actually had something that you could like have the ink already in and we could write with it? It seems crazy, but do you think it would work? And then, you know, then they make the thing. Um, and then the the tools that we create help us again leverage other tools to keep building new tools but they're all fundamentally uh framed with our ability to tell and connect and create stories and to keep our traditions alive and our ideas afloat and and um, our ability to communicate is what makes us really strong as a species and to conceptualize do you find because in in my mind storytelling is a creative process I mm -hmm. don't define myself as a creative person even though I kind of am now but I still have this image in my head that I'm not mm. do you find that that people are hesitant with the word storytelling uh yeah I think yeah, there there is this perception, I think, with some people that it's kind of like a fluffy, nice to have thing. Um, and I think that that's just uh, because it's it's like hidden in plain sight, that it's so pervasive that people actually can't see it. It's like the fish in the water swimming around, and then the older fish comes over and says, hey, boys, how's the water today? And, and the two fish look at each other and say, what water? It's... <laughs> It's just, it is l l the fabric of our entire beings. I mean, the stories that we tell ourselves are who we become. Um, the stories that we tell to our families dictate how we think about who we are as, a, as like culturally, like within a family. The stories that we tell about a bigger culture as a nation defines how we think about ourselves. You know, like the Australian dream is a story that Australians tell themselves. This is whatever this is what it means to want to be here and and what we should all be striving towards and what we believe in. It binds people together. 
So are these the sort of skills as well that, because um, I mean, we have stories that we tell ourselves. Are yeah. these the sort of skills that actors use that we sort of bring into business? Like, is it, because they would, you would think, tell themselves a different story in a different time of who they are in that given moment or in that given scene? Like, is there um, congruence there? Hmm. Um, well, I'm, I would say, okay, so a professional actor uh, is has a way of approaching building a character, which is story-based. So the story around the character gives context to who that character is and what that character wants. And it provides the motivation for what the character is doing in any given, given moment of time. What do they want? And why do they think they need it? Because it's purely up to that person to decide, do I, do I want to keep pursuing this, this thing? So all plots are around a character wanting to get something. And usually there's all these obstacles like of not getting the thing. Like Harry Potter wants to know who his parents are. Every book is essentially about him connecting with his past and his dead parents, right? Um, so, and it drives them mercilessly. Um, but to a degree, uh, we're all acting all the time. We're, 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 we're being who we think we need to be in a particular scene or setting. So like right now, I'm um, professional speaking, Megan. You know? yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm drawing on the things that I think, you know, this is how I should talk if I'm, if I'm being interviewed. Um, and these are the ways that I should present myself and the words that I should use. Um, but if I was like party fun, Megan, I'm going to have a different persona and I'm going to draw on the motivations of why I'm at the party. Why do people want me there? What, who should I be talking to? What should I be talking about? Um, you know, what's an acceptable person to be in this moment in time? So these are questions that we're, we're constantly asking ourselves and then responding to. So an actor is doing it to create a character within a story that feels complex and real enough that people can identify with that character empathetically. And then, and then you as a viewer is like, oh, I need to know what happens to this person because I actually care. I care about this person. Um, and when we're in real life, when we're out there, we want to feel that we're in a place where people are interested in us and we want to expose enough of ourselves to other people through the stories that we tell, either verbally or physically the way we act or the way we compose ourselves, our dress, our, our settings where we you know, invite people. Um, we want them also to like us. We want them to empathetically connect with us because if there is no connection, no empathetical connection, it's very difficult to to make that happen. So then in terms of um, when, because I mean, the what it feels like is you're putting a voice to those like, thousands of thoughts we have in a millisecond that we don't necessarily verbalize to ourselves so it feels like you're you're giving all those thoughts that we have about what do I what do I look like and what should I be and um like what's the expectation of me in this in this moment in this relationship you're verbalizing those and getting us to explore those is that right yes to a degree yep so figuring out what that context is so if it was with an organization and let's say, for example, it's a customer experience journey, I would say, well, how do you want your customer to feel when they're inter interacting with you? 
Um, how, how should they feel once we take them on a service journey? What does every touch point feel like? And then we need to build the stories that help that person feel good in that moment, feel the way you want them to feel. And in order to elicit that emotion, you have to present them with the right story that elicits that emotional response. And then you also have to make sure that you on your end have, have the, you know, so whatever it is, the tools that, that align with that story and that response, um, the skill sets within the, uh, you know, employees internally to elicit that response and also understand where they are on that journey with, the, with that client or customer. So you need to yeah, constantly create context with the stories that you're telling for both parties. It's just like a like getting married. You, you know, the priest stands there and says, you know, this is what is expected of you in this relationship. Are you agreeing to that? And you both say yes. And, you know, and then the, they'll ask, this is a traditional ceremony, everyone listening. Um, everyone here, do you... Uh, do you promise to help support these people in their journey through life? And everyone says, yes. So um, it's, it's creating that type of alignment and, you know, the marriage vows, like the traditional marriage vows are really a really good way of, of showing that because the, the person officiating does tell little stories. Do you promise to love each other in sickness and health and for richer or for poorer? These are tiny stories. I mean, if you say, do you promise to support someone when they're sick? you get a little image in your head what that means. Like the person's in bed, you're standing there, here's a cup of tea, you know, stuff like that. You imagine it's you, that it's like this metaphorical kind of um, vision that we get automatically. We, these words create little images. So what's the risk of not incorporating storytelling? So if you're using storytelling really effectively in your business, um, that would have a positive impact. We can talk about that in a second. But if you're not doing it, what's the opposite? Is it just telling people? Like, is it just talking at people rather than involving them? What's the opposite? Yeah, um, it, you're right. It is talking at someone um, and not, not inviting them into a conversation. It is providing information with no context, which is really confusing. Um, so the thing about people is, because we are such natural storytellers and we live in story built worlds and environments are we naturally will make up a story if we're not given one. So if somebody says, here's a list of instructions, um, you know, X, Y, Z, uh, it is, if there's no story to provide context around those instructions, then we will just automatically make it up. So a good example of this is conspiracy theories. So, so what happens is because a lot of news reporting has moved over the last hundred years away from story-based reporting, which was used to be the norm, and now it's not because it's like, you know, oh, it's biased or it, it shows the individual who's written the piece. But if you read news articles from like 1900, they're, they're usually kind of beautifully written pieces of local color. There's a lot oh, yeah. of content, you know, um, and so that helped the person. And, you know, there's no TV back then. So people and there was very few movies before 1920 or showreels, newsreels. So the person had to build that picture in their mind. Um, and now we, we just say things like, well, um, you know, 
the, for example, the virus has come out of China and, it, and this is the steps that it took to spread around the world, let's say, with what's happening now. Um, then now there's all these conspiracy theories about how it was, you know, it's a genetically modified virus that was created to like take down the world economy. Like this is one that I've heard. Um, and, and the reason why they spread is because they're interesting and entertaining and it's a really good story. Like you think I'd watch that movie. That's a good story, but just saying facts like, this happened, this happened, this happened, on this date it appeared here. It's like, well, but how? Was it implanted in that person? Was it a cell? Was there a conspiracy? How do they know the exact date that person gets there? And if you just provide dot points in time, the brain starts racing and we start making up stories. And um, and this is like just, this isn't, uh, you know, an amplified case, but if, if somebody just gives you pieces of information, first thing that your brain does is make contact, you make context for yourself. Um, so not giving a good story or not giving context through a story. Basically, you just say, here's information, you interpret that how you want. Um, the danger of my interpretation and your interpretation not being the same is huge. So does that come back to that? ultimate question of why should I care is it trying to explain pe to people why it's important why they should care and why they should be involved through the story uh yeah yeah so it's what's yeah what's in it for me or or what's in it for us I think is the more important um you know especially with what's happening now the more important aspect of storytelling is okay, like this is what it means for you as an individual, but also saying, what does this mean for us? So it could be between yeah. two people, it could be a relationship. Um, it could be what's in it for us as an organization. Uh, it could be what's in it for us as a community, as a nation, as a global citizen. These are things that are often so powerful and incredibly neglected. Are there areas of storytelling that are easier than others? Because you have mentioned like storytelling and innovation. Um, mm. And to me, that seems quite tricky. And you would fall into the trap of going, well, it makes sense to me. It should make sense to everybody. Mm. Are there areas that are easier and more difficult with story storytelling? That's an interesting question. Like no one's, no one's ever asked me that before. Um, so I, if, if I was to strip this really back, I would say that telling a story in any context is easy because you're probably just doing it anyways. Telling a story with intentional creation and intentional messaging is a little bit harder for anyone, even me, okay? So um, even people who get hired to help people craft stories, I don't go, ooh, this will be easy every time I get a job, right? Um, I, every time I get a job, I'm like, ooh, this is a sticky, interesting, big problem. How do we solve this together? And that's the critical part. How do we solve this together, right? So how do I craft a story along with other people who are living this reality to create the best story or to find it? Because often we just unearth a real thing that's happening and say, this is the story that we need to be amplifying. Um, but it's, you know, it is a intentionally doing anything as a skill set. So it's like personal growth or it's like finances or building a business. Anytime you're intentionally 
trying to be better at something, you realize, whew, this is hard and it just gets harder. So the longer I do this, the more I think, wow, there's just so much more to learn constantly. So um, yeah, so I think don't get discouraged. I think if people are like, ooh, this is really hard, just, go, just accept that it's like, yeah, it's kind of hard, but it's also really cool and amazing. So what sort of um, organizations or customers approach you like do they come thinking we need a communication consultant and they find you and you go oh storytelling um and they go oh okay i wasn't expecting that or do they go we need a storyteller like are they self-reflective and going oh we need to do this part better and they come looking for you or do they look for something not soft and lovey-dovey and that's what they get because i've been doing this for so long uh I tend to not get the people who aren't looking strategically for a story um like that hasn't happened in a while uh as I first started talking about like using storytelling in brands um like six years ago when and that was a very new concept six years ago um and then I first started talking about using storytelling and and marketing eight years ago which which for at that time, I focused mainly on social media and people are like, oh, so that's how you get people to care about your content online. Oh, it's going to be a story. So, um, so I've built up that muscle of and within my own brand that I typically don't get people who aren't interested in the story aspect of anything that they're doing. Um, but I think often I'm, a, I'm approached by an internal advocate within a business or organization. And then we have to go to the other people to get buy-in. Gotcha. And then that's when I really have to get creative to show them. Because I typically what I have to do is just say, this is, this, this is the re current reality you're projecting. And this is through that story that you're currently telling. And then show that to them and then say, but if we change this with this, with a new story, this is where we could be. So you're storytelling the storytelling. Yeah, <laughs> very meta. Mm. <laughs> so for people who are listening today who go, okay, I get it. I want to look at what it is that I'm doing, my brand, my innovation, my business that needs to now communicate in a different way. L let's look at what they should be focusing on. Maybe some steps that we could start to work through that so – this used to be my business. Business was going fine. Eek, suddenly I'm at home. I have to start telling stories a different way in a different medium from a different lens. And now I've got a lot more competition out there as well because everybody's online. Mm. So what sort of things should we start to look at, take some steps? And if we can weave empathy into that because that would be great. Um, but mm. it feels like that's the centerpiece anyway. It is, Yeah. I mean, it's uh, a well-crafted story. Empathy is the central component of what you're doing always, all the time. Um, it's impossible to, if your story is hitting the mark, it's impossible to not elicit an empathetic response, um, especially because our brain chemistry is wired that way to when we hear a story, and it, it doesn't matter what kind of story, simple story, our brain mirrors the activity in the, the storyteller. We automatically get in sync and I start feeling the things that you feel. 
and I start um, also having a physiological response in my body. Like if you were telling a story about a time that you broke your arm, I'm going to probably go like this. I'm probably going to touch my arm. I'm probably going to go, I'm going to feel some kind of ugh feeling in my body. I can't help it. Uh, so yeah, so there, that just happens anyways. But if you were thinking about, okay, where do I start in this, this new competitive online environment? Um, I would say, look at where you are now and then think about where do I want to be? You, you must always have a sense of, you don't need to know how the story ends, but you do need to know roughly where you want to be. So I will frame that with a story. So most of us would, yeah, what a surprise. Uh, most of us would know. But, you know the, but let me interrupt you for a second. You notice whenever you say to anybody, let me tell you a story, they lean in. Yeah, they do. Me, of course. Sorry, yeah. so because I, I just felt myself lean in. Go on, tell me a story. Oh, wonderful. Yes. Um, okay, so we've all seen the movie Wizard of Oz. Most of us have seen that movie. Um, and it's always interesting because I've taught all over the world and I'm like, hey guys, wherever I am, who's seen the Wizard of Oz? 90% of the room will raise their hand. Uh, and so we all know that Wizard of Oz, Dorothy, is bored stuck in Kansas and she sings a song about being somewhere else because home is boring and then she gets sucked away through a crazy a crazy surprising act which is uh this is intrinsic this is called the story hook she gets whisked away to another world and she emerges and the first thing she wants to do is go home the first thing I want to go home and that's all we need to know the whole rest of that story. So it's imperative that you understand where you want to go. Doesn't matter if you don't know how you're going to get there. Sometimes we don't get where we want to go. But Neil Gaiman, who is a master storyteller, a wonderful writer, said that um, most characters don't get what they want, but they do get what they need. So if you are um, okay to show how you're getting what you need, how sometimes you might not get what you want, how sometimes none of us get what we want, but we're still striving towards that thing that, that, that we really desire, that we need. So she needs to go home. Dorothy needs to go home. And eventually she does get her dream. She does get her wish. She finds a wizard after meeting a collective of people who help her on her journey. And they all work together with their different um things that they think they need like heart or courage and um they find the wizard and they all get their wish but then they learn that they always had it the whole time that the cowardly lion was always brave and that the tin man always had a heart because he always had he cared and loved for his friends so much and dorothy finds out that she always had the ability to go home and all she had to do was click her heels three times and say there's no place like home yeah. and so she and she wakes up and she's so happy to be there. So she thought that she didn't want to be where she was until she left. And then all she wanted to do was go back. And it shows that um, a really great story is about constantly connecting with what you need. What does the character want? What do they desire? 
And then sometimes they get what they want and sometimes they don't. So then how do we, so that's the thinking about the ultimate goal in terms of who our customers and our clients are, but also in terms of what we want or is it mainly focused around what the customer wants? So your, you, what you want and your customers want should be aligned. Yep. If they're not, you really need to look at your business, um, your business, well, why you exist as a business. Yeah. Um, you know, you, yeah. So if that's not aligned, then go back to the drawing board on that. Um, and cause maybe you have the wrong business plan, goal, strategy, maybe you should do something else. Um, but if I'm, you know, my goal is to craft beautiful stories, to create new realities, to make the future feel tangible, to make, to move people forward into a new, a new space. Um, that's my goal, but that's also what the customer wants as well. That's what my clients want as well. They want to take someone on a journey and, and we want to go there together. So I help them do that. So what then, so looking at the end goal and looking at what you want that to look like, what you want that to feel like, what you want that experience to be like for your business, for your customer, for their experience, for their interaction with your business. What the, how then do you break it down a little bit further to create a story around that? Yeah. So, uh, so there's no easy one, two, three step there. Um, but I can tell you, the, I know, unfortunately, uh, it's a process, but I can tell you where I always start. So where I always start is with the strategic session where I get people across organizations many different types of people, diversity is key. Also sometimes their clients and customers that they really trust. And then we talk together about really core values that exist within the organization and we tell stories about them. And then I look for that, those connective tissue pieces. So the things that are connecting in all of the stories to start crafting that narrative of where they wanna go, that future state. We also talk about their, their business strategy, um, like whatever their roadmaps are, um, uh, like key projections for their industries, you know, all these things that are really core for actual functioning part of the business because the story does have to align. Um, but fundamentally, it's I harvest the emotions and the, the visions and the dreams of the people in the room. And then we work together to solidify that into this is where we're going. This is our narrative statement is um like a title for a book or the title of a tv show so crime scene investigation miami is always a, every single episode in that that tv show is about a crime scene investigation in miami other than that anything can happen in any episode so it's like finding that top line statement lots of things will happen in this business sometimes we can't tell what's going to happen as we all know this is always a possibility um but no matter what happens this is the, the thing that we're going to strive for so no matter how many times a wicked witch tries to stop us on our on the yellow brick road to get home to see the wizard to get home we still are going to keep getting back on that road and we're going to still keep moving forward so you find that there's no place like home statement for the project the organization for that that business unit whatever, wherever I am in the mix. 
So by the sound of it, storytelling isn't something that you can sit at home by yourself and do by yourself. It sounds like a very collaborative um, exercise and that communication is key. That would then, in my mind, elicit some vulnerability on my behalf to sort of go, okay, I can't do this by myself, but now I have to actually genuinely ask team members and clients and past clients and go, okay, what do you think or how do you feel? What is your what is your perception of me and what I do and the business and the the goal or the product or the service or whatever it is? So is that a vulnerable act and do you find people are kind of nervous doing that? Yeah, there it is it is a very vulnerable place to take people to. Um and it's not unusual to occasionally get a few tears or some really deep belly laughs or moments of really a big shock in workshops. Um, so like I, yeah, I feel like I'm like some sort of spiritual leader at times, <laughs> uh, like guiding people through this process. And uh, yeah, you do, ha- there are some very vulnerable moments and, uh, and sometimes people aren't comfortable sharing. So I just say, if you want to just, write something down and send it to me later so I can at least have a look. Um, you know, that's fine. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a high degree of, of vulnerability in there, but if you create a, a safe space, um, you know, anything's possible. And if you think of any, any book, any TV show, any movie, any large scale story based production, think of the hundreds of people who are involved in making that happen. You know, we have these ideas that there's like a lone writer sitting at like some kind of old-fashioned typewriter in a room, right? That's that nothing could be further from the truth. Every writer has first readers, people they bounce ideas off of, writers groups that they associate with, um, their editors, their, you know, the people who market them, their agents, the people who design the book covers, the typesetters. Um, like the, the complexity around getting a story out into the world is huge and it's never been any other way. Um, and stories are refined over time as well from the inception to its, its uh, final output. There's so many iterations. Yeah. I heard, um, Matthew McConaughey teaches at I think it's university of Texas news. They're working with a script and I can't remember which movie it was. I think it was the, Dallas Buyers Club maybe but he gave them the initial script and then they worked through that to the final product the final movie and they were nothing alike they were Mm. nothing alike he said the um I think it was Dallas Buyers Club anyway but he said Mm. the 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 variation and the input and the crafting and the characters all evolve over time as well so then what are some of the challenges then in terms of um, a business who's trying to create a new set of goals, create a new business plan, create a new way of communicating and a new story? What are some of the challenges people will come up against? Um, well, I think one is they try to do it themselves. Uh, this is a common objective that people have. Like, well, we're going to, we're, we'll get in touch when we know more, we're going to work on, xyz ourselves and um you know that's like a writer editing their own book you don't know what doesn't make sense to somebody on the outside because you've written it it's inside your own head 
there's no sense making. Um, so that is a huge problem that I, that, um, that I have to talk people through a lot as to why that's not a good idea that the earlier you get somebody in who has that right skill set to help you, the better and faster and I don't want to say easier because it's not an easy process, but the smoother the rollout of that experience will be. Um, the other common issue is, is that uh, you often cannot, you can't often sell it as, as storytelling um, because there's a lot of misconceptions on what storytelling is and what it does. So you often have to frame it up as something else, such as, we're going to share stories of how we're currently working and perhaps how we would like to change that. Um, we're going to start, we, we need to talk with people about our um, sales strategy and how that's going. We're collecting stories to understand where we are now so we can start understanding how we can better align to our future vision of where we want to go. So sometimes you have to reframe it. Uh, sometimes we have to tell get people to tell stories that are completely, they feel adjacent to what's going on. Um, so, but they're not. Uh, so sometimes when, for example, uh, some people I was working with, they were developing a new customer experience and the, the new uh, concept of what they wanted to achieve with organically within the organization was so far removed from the daily practice that they couldn't even ask people to tell stories about a time when something like that happened within the organization because it wouldn't have. So we had to farm stories of their actual lived experience in their lives, which they'd all experienced at some point or another. And then we kind of, you know, took them on the journey of, well, what if that happened here? You know, what? imagine if we could give that feeling to our clients and customers, the way that you felt. What if we could give that to someone else? And of course, it's their lived experience. So how would, they, why would, and they felt typically good about it. So why would they go, oh, no, 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 we don't want to do that. That would be awful. <laughs> um, of course, they want to do the best job. And of course, they want to, you know, give the best experience possible to people. So is that similar then when you're doing innovation and uh, storytelling and innovation? Because sometimes people don't have an experience of what the business or the product already is like how do you do that then if you've come up with something that's so left of field but in your mind it's going to change the world and everybody needs it and you're trying to tell them hey you all need this but they kind of can't even wrap their head around that that's even a thing yeah yeah so you need to find stories about what's actually happening now so something immediate and real that everyone can relate to and then finding those same core story attributes and setting it in the scene with the context being, but what if this happened with this device or this object or this new service or this new piece of technology or this wearable? What if you could have that same experience? But you don't ask what if, you actually build the experience with that thing in that reality. But you must first understand what your customers and clients are thinking and what their own emotional landscape looks like. And then build up a character to interact with that, that product or service that, that replicates what your client customer is like. 
so they can identify with it, so they can empathize with it and put themselves there in that space. Um, that, that's, I think, why a lot of horror films work, like actual horror or suspense, not slasher, blood and guts, lazy filming. There's a lot of garbage. But ones that actually have stories. So why those work is, for example, Stephen King. Stephen King is fantastic at character development. And that's why his, his films are so successful. Because he creates these people that you can readily identify with. And so once they're in the suspenseful situation and, you know, people are dying or you're afraid they're going to die, you actually feel a sense of suspense. You do not want anything to happen to them. And so if we can create that same sort of tension, like, oh, I really want that character to be okay. I want them to get what they need. And then the thing that they need is your, your new product or service. And people go, oh, I understand why you need that. I understand, you know, it's creating that character-driven contextual story where your solution, your unheard of solution solves a very human and immediate problem. Does storytelling now change given that we can no longer see, I mean, we can still see people on Zoom, but we're communicating in a very different way lately. So mm. I can't give you a hug. I can't have eye contact. I can't quite often my hands, they're kind of out of shot. I, you know what I mean? Like I feel like I'm, oh, it's harder to get my story my personality my thing across because now I've been limited to words and videos like does it change the storytelling part of it it does but um not in the way that probably you're you're thinking so if we want to become better storytellers in a digital digitally confined space we need to look back to people who were writing 500 600 years ago if not, if not longer. And the reason why I say this is because they didn't use sets. They didn't, they often, you know, for a very long time in Western culture, women didn't act. They were all men. Um, they didn't wear costumes. They just wore whatever clothes that they happened to have. Um, usually that's just their nicest clothes. And then they got up on stage and painted a world through just their language. And some of, and their actions as well, of course, they did have that, but they didn't have sets. So Shakespeare has an mass, he has an emotionally complex understanding of people, of character, of language. He invented words if he didn't have the right word. Um, we actually have a massive opportunity to look back at how people used to tell stories and incorporate that into what we have become from like, you know, the past hundred years of mass communication, very lazy storytellers and very uh, like, oh, we can just fix it up and post. Oh, we'll just edit in a little bit more meaning here. Oh, well, you know, we don't, we'll just get someone to write the script. And if it doesn't work, we'll just rewrite it and we'll keep rewriting it. And uh, look, if it's a really terrible movie, we'll just put a huge marketing budget behind it because we have a good, we have an actor that people think is good. We don't need to tell a good story, um, but now we do. Now we have to get inventive with our language. Now we have to build stories verbally. Now we have to provide context 
through good stories that we can, that we know people will relate to. Um, so, you know, like maybe we'll get beautiful with language again because language has been suffering. Um, you know, texting has created a whole new vocabulary that's lazy and, and boring. Um, you know, so I think if we looked at Shakespeare, we'll learn a lot. Because that's how it feels. And it also feels like we have a little bit more time on our hands that we can be a little bit more discerning. So if somebody starts to write something and some of the posts online, the ones that seem to be doing quite well are people who are telling a description of their um, experience at the moment. We're reading stories of nurses in Italy and um, we seem to be investing a little bit more in the human side of things and asking people, how are you? And actually getting an answer that's more than two words long and genuinely investing in that answer. So it feels like people are having a little bit more time to invest in the experience and the stories of other people rather than just going, eh, too long. It's not a mean move on. Do you sort of have that feeling as well? Yeah, definitely. I've, I've seen the same thing. I've been um, watching and reading and listening a lot. And I've, and, you know, one of the positive aspects and, you know, look, there's not many, like, let's be honest, there really isn't many. Um, and I know that it's kind of like trendy to say, oh, there's so much I'm learning about myself right now. Um, and, you know, but let's be honest, there's not many positives about any of this, but one from my perspective is that quality storytelling is more important than ever, that there's a new appreciation for understanding why it's important, even if it's at a subconscious level. And also we've, I think, realized how much we took for granted. Um, and, and the, um, this idea that we all had that we were so busy and we didn't have time for this, that, or the other thing. Um, and so it's gotta be short and you just gotta get it to me. Um, that was never true. And that's revealing that it was never true because I don't care how busy I am. If something looks really good and really important and really relevant to me, I'm gonna read it. I don't care. And I don't, and that's never not been true. But we're, I think again, if we go back to how people used to think, people, you know, back, let's go back to the, Greek philosophers they so Aristotle I want to say sorry Socrates but I corrected myself Socrates wrote about how modern life was was crazy and it was so fast-paced and everyone was in such a big hurry we've always thought we were in a big hurry we've always thought that modern life was you know had it's by the skin of our teeth we always thought we never had any time we just need to get over that it's just humans just think we're always really busy and we don't have time. Done. Okay. Right. Um, and it's like, you know, if we went back to really ancient history, those people were like scratching in the, in the gravel for food and like trying to kill like massive animals. Like that is very time consuming. So everybody be quiet. Okay. Um, it's like, oh, I don't have time to get my specialty coffee at the store. Get over yourself. Anyways. Um, so... Uh, so yeah, like you're not scavenging, you're not foraging, you have, you actually have quite a bit of time. You have a machine that does your laundry. Okay. Um, so we've always thought that things were, we're always busy. Um, and we're always, 
and you know ancient philosophers were always like how do we manage ourselves in this fast-paced ever-changing world well it's, uh, it's always the same find what you need connect deeply with other people tell good stories take care of each other be empathetic i think what i'm taking out of this is again getting rid of the words should and just because i say that it now seems like every podcast but Getting out of this mindset of I should be doing this, I should be telling this story, I should be achieving this, creating this, and I think it's getting out of that mindset because you can't be um, genuinely creative in a silo by yourself with lots of pressure. You've got to be collaborative, you've got to communicate, you've got to be vulnerable, you've got to just kind of see what happens, see what marinates rather than mm. putting pressure on ourselves to come up with something new and creative it's about exploring rather than um being in a pressure cooker right yeah because even even if you're a professional writer or screenwriter or actor or whatever whatever you want to say none of these people are like have like a tight deadline to to like get you know to develop their character like they have rehearsals and they have schedules and they have like you know, multiple meetings with different coaches or directors or inputs or, or the producers or who, whoever it is. Um, but yeah, there's a there's a development time frame. Um, but once that's once once that money has been spent on development, they do have to move into to production or to making the thing. But um, you know, a true artist understands, and I think we all are artists i don't think that there's an artist and then there's other people we all have artistry within us and we all have creativity within us um so but a person who really wants to make creativity something that's a benefit an intentional benefit in their lives understands that that creativity is only the process and it's not the output at all because anybody i, I don't care who they are as soon as you publish the book you're like oh i would have done that differently so then if we wrap this up for today, because I've learned so much, my head is exploding and I've taken lots of notes. Um, <laughs> what would you like people to know out there about how they can start to use storytelling to help their business? And also, how can people find you? So the, I guess if they're, if this is what you think is new, I want to say, first of all, it's probably not. You're probably already doing it and you need to look to see where you have been doing it. Like, it's impossible to not have been doing it at all. It's been happening. So um, what are the stories that you tell your clients? What is your sales process like? Who, what do you typically say? What are typical conversations? Um, you know, start looking at what you're already doing now. Then look at what's really working and then start asking why. And maybe asking that to other people why that's working, not you just ruminating inside your own head you'll just send yourself insane um so start asking why is this working asking the clients asking your friends asking trusted colleagues maybe even people that are technically a competitor but you have a really good relationship with i think we all have people like that we're like i don't know if you're a collaborator or a competitor but i really like talking to you it kind of doesn't matter you know yeah. <laughs> you know but there's there's people that we trust uh, in our own industries even to, to say hey what do you think of this um and I think that, you know, if you have a high degree of professionalism trust within the industry, that's a really great place to look, other people like you. Um, and then I think um, if 
you want to take it another step level, like, cause maybe you've already been doing that, but if you want to really want to start ramping it up, then I would start thinking, okay, where do I really want to be? And write that story. Don't write the best story. Don't, I don't care if you've never written a fictional story before, who cares? Just write it down. Because once you far, start understanding where you're going, a lot easier to understand how the stories of today that you're harvesting relate to that. Do they match? Can they take me there? If that's not really what's going on, where do I find these new stories that will take me to that place? Um, so I think that's as simple as I can make a very complex problem or, you know, concept. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. But no, it makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense and I think it sort of is a bit of a challenge and it will include include um involve people being a little bit vulnerable um and looking a little bit deeper and looking a little bit um deeper inwards as well as looking at what other people want from you and your business and your product or your service and what emotion they want from that but looking inward as well I think and uh, you know that's all about empathy too right um, soul searching has it's all about empathy yeah oh absolutely um yeah. Megan thank you so much for today um I've learned a lot my usually I have questions just coming but this time I've just sat there listening to you absolutely absorbed and the questions have been a little bit hard to come by because I'm like oh, I just want to listen to you speak. <laughs> <laughs> so if other people have been as engrossed as I have and want to find you and listen to you speak um how do they find you sure um so I, I have a blog that I write on regularly um which is on my business website so it's spendloveandlamb.com spend doesn't spend money love is and I love you a-n-d lamb baby sheep uh and then you go to my blog section you will see all the things I write about um, it's a lot about storytelling, character development, um, complexity, theory, uh, like how do we use Shakespeare to develop characters to understand our, our clients, our customers, our end users. Um, and uh, also I have a, a podcast and the podcast is really about exploring people who are using storytelling strategically in ways that we might not have thought about and how they're actually using it to create the world that they want to live in. It's called Stories Create Me. So storiescreate.me. Love it. Thank you so much. You take care of yourself. Thank you. Yeah, you too. Thank you, Megan. Oh, wow. Okay. So empathy and Empathy seems to be a really pivotal component of storytelling when you look at getting out of your own head and into that of your audience. So how do you craft a story? What are they experiencing? And how do you craft your story so that you can better engage an audience um, to really come on board with what it is that you're trying to achieve? So whether that's your brand or your product or your mission or your service, um, engaging your audience through stories is much, much more effective than just telling them who you are, what you do and why you're the best person for the job. So yeah, think about if someone starts to tell you a story, 
you're much more likely to remember it. You're much more likely to listen because it has a logic to it. It has a flow to it. So think about that now with your businesses. Um, that's been the Empathy Podcast today with Megan Davis. I loved it. I hope you did too. Um, I'll talk to you soon. Okay.